Uh, great to be back with you again. Um, welcome along if you're here for the first time. We're in week six in our series, uh, The Way of Faith. Um, we've looked at God, and we've looked at Jesus the Son, we've looked at the Holy Spirit, we've looked at the Bible, and this week it is the idea of salvation. One of those words that ends in shun. It's the idea um, that this story, uh, the Bible story, has a meaning has a reason. It's this idea uh, that this story that we look at saves us. It rescues us. We don't disappear off into oblivion. The earth doesn't just uh, crumble away into nothingness. Uh, Our souls and our spirits don't just go into the ground and that's the end of us. There is purpose and meaning. There is hope. Even for the things that we do right now in this moment, there is hope. Um, There is rescue. It literally means or in its, not literally, it means in its simplest sense, it's this idea that God um, is rescuing the world. So have that um, in the back of your mind. And this, this idea of, of salvation has caused, well, we get stuck on it as human beings, I think. We are conflicted about the idea of salvation. Um, it's a sticking point for us. The idea that some people if, if, if in the sense that you are saved, the idea that some people are in and some people are out, this, this, is a, this is a, particularly in the last, well, maybe the last 150 years, since we are enlightened, but definitely in the last 50 years, this, the idea that, that you can be in or out, that you can be saved and rescued or not, is, is a huge problem for, for everyone. I don't, think, I don't think that just remains at people who aren't Christians. I think for people who are Christians as well, we get stuck on it a little bit. And the idea also um, that if, if we need to be saved, then, then we're not quite good enough. That's a huge problem for us as well, that we might have to do something about the way that we are. So it's a sticking point, but at the same time, it's, it's an idea that we can't get away from. This idea of salvation, this idea that we need rescue, this idea that we are a little bit broken and there might be somebody or something or some moment or some revelation down the line uh, that that can restore us and bring us hope again um so i've looked into this idea a little bit and all of our creative outlets all of our whether it's our films or it's our songs or it's our productions or it's even just our imaginations they are loaded with this idea that that we need fixed and save. So I was going to read you, I'm going to read you a song. Um, I think it's pretty, I think I've covered the breadth of the audience, hopefully. Hopefully I'm reaching all the reference points. I was going to read you a Bob Dylan song, that would have worked. I was going to read you a Coldplay song, Fix You, that would have worked. Look, look up those again. I'm going to read you the words of a Steve Winwood slash Whitney Houston slash Kygo song. This song, I happened to hear it in one of those rare moments that I, the kids were in the car and I had Radio 1 on, and uh, this Kygo song came up. Kygo covering Whitney Houston. So, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not familiar with this song, this song goes back. Steve Winwood is from like 19. He released this in 1985. So this is. We sh- this should get all of you. We should all be familiar with this song. And I've asked um, if the comms team can share the song. It's called um, "Bring Me a Higher Love." And I'm. I sometimes. I nearly asked Sharbs to sing it because I'm sure she'll know it um, but so if you if you're familiar with the song if you're from the 80s or if you're from the now 
which I'm definitely not, then have the little tune in the back of your head, Bring Me a Higher Love, maybe you know what it is. I'm going to read you the lyrics out. They scream. Um, and, so, and this is a song from popular culture. It's not a Christian song. They, they, they scream and they kind of represent the sentiment of loads of other songs. I thought I might struggle a little bit. I kind of knew it was an idea. And I thought, oh, I struggled to find the right kind of song. And I sort of looked for songs that had salvation purposes in them. And basically, if they're not about, like, sex or drugs or something, they're about salvation. They're about hope. So listen to the, the lyrics in this song. Think about it. There must be a higher love. Down in the heart or hidden in the stars above. Without it. I'm almost going into the rhythm of the song. I can't, I can't help myself. Life is wasted in time. Look inside your heart and look inside mine. Imagine Whitney uh, belting this out. Things look so bad everywhere. In this whole world, what is fair? We walk the line and try and see. Falling behind in what could be, or, says Whitney, bring me a higher love. This is like the riff of the song. Bring me a higher love, over and over again. Bring me a higher love. And then the end of that little like riff is, it's the higher love I keep thinking of. Uh, my kids recently, we let them on Instagram. We embrace them now. My kids are on Instagram, and they recently, maybe you've started following David, like them, you've started following David Attenborough, and you've seen his like last appeal to the world. And you sort of, you sort of see the sentiment of his story, and you, you sort of watch, I don't know if you've seen the documentary or seen any of his little clips, you realize the sort of the state of the world is. It's another example, I think, of him appealing, hoping uh, for salvation, that this, this it, it, sort of between the lines of what he says, you can, you can see the sentiment. This can't be the way that the world's supposed to go. We're not supposed to destroy it like this. It's supposed to be something beautiful. It's a bit broken. What will fix it? This idea of salvation, I would argue that, our, that us as human beings, it's not, so much, it's not so much if we need it. I don't think we think that. I think there's a recognition that we do need it. I think the, the question is, uh, where will you go for it? Where will you go for salvation? Where will you go for rescue? What will you turn to? And will the thing that you turn to save you? So in the Bible, in this little passage, and it's particularly, um, we added an extra little bit on I don't know if you've noticed, we've been preaching from the same passage over and over again, and John Harvey read for us an extra few verses, verses 14 through to 15. I don't know if they could be on the screen just for a second while I can read them out and refamiliarize you with them. These are uh, where we're going to base our understanding of um, what salvation is on. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I think from this little passage, salvation, I think we can see that it's three things. It's realizing it comes from outside of ourselves. It's got it's to come from outside of ourselves. Hope, the hope for us has got to come from outside of ourselves. This is, a, this is salvation. It's a rescue story. We've been rescued. We only get it if we realize that we've got to look outside of ourselves for help. The, the only way we can do it is that. And then the second two things, Jesus puts them together. They come together. It's about repentance and believing it's a and jesus when he saw i think this is i don't think this is all that jesus said i don't think this is the entirety of his sermon as he went around galilee i don't think that's all he proclaimed i think this is a concise little version of the sentiment of it and these two concepts come together and i don't think jesus says them glibly 
he proclaims them, he shouts them out, he says, we've got to repent and we've got to believe. It's about what you, and he doesn't say them glibly, these words, I think they have real depth. It's about what you believe in your heart and it's about what you repent. It's about what you're willing to grieve of in your life. So it's those three things and we'll hit them, we'll take a couple of minutes each and after that, you'll know about salvation. You know what salvation is from the words of our Savior, Jesus. So the first one, really simply, is about realizing that this hope comes outside of you. We've got to get to a point, so, that, so the narrative of the Bible says, you've got to get to a point where you're willing not to look within yourself, as so many of, as lots of our songs say, that's where the salvation come, comes from. Not look within yourself, not look to somebody else. You've got to look something bigger. That's the only way we're going to be saved. We've got to reach that point when we realize that we need, where we need rescue. Jesus proclaims to, um, to, in Galilee to this, to this to these bunch of this Jewish people with this big history of being, you know, a thousand years of being desperate for a relationship with God, working really hard to attain re- relationship with God, really eager to realize relationship with God, ready to pick up a sword and fight for what they thought was the kingdom of God, ready, ready to do all of that. But as is the story of the Old Testament in a lot of respects, we're unable to realize it. Like a tragic story in some respects, the Old Testament. They were unable to realize relationship with God. And Jesus says, this is the good news of God. There's still good news of God. We've not, you've not, we've not got grasped relationship with him yet, but this is the good news of God. God is going to do something through me, Jesus. God is going to do something that is going to enable all that stuff that you've hoped for and strived for and knew that was a possibility. God is going to make that real and he's going to give it to you as a gift. You're going to observe my life and you're, going to, you're not going to have to strive for this in that same way. It's not going to be something that you can attain. It's going to come as a gift because God is going to act on the cross through me to rescue you. This is, this is the first thing. It's a... It's salvation. It's a salvation story. The story of the Bible is a salvation story. It's a story about rescue. And it's a story about realizing that we are being rescued. So I think that involves two things. Firstly, when you're being rescued, you need to realize that you're done for. You need to realize that you need rescue. That's the first thing. You need to look around at your circumstances and realize that you've had it. So it's a change of perspective. You look at the world through David, Atten- at David Attenborough's problem. You look at the world that's covered in plastic or that is um, where there's societal fractions or there's inequality. You've got to look at that world and you've got, to see, you've got to see that it's broken and you've got to see that it needs help, not from us, but it craves something bigger is needed to fix those problems. You've got to realize when you look at yourself when you look at yourself, that no, really, no mantra, no new life philosophy is going to sort it out. You've got to realize that ultimately, you're a bit broken. You've got to, you've got to see yourself through that, through that light. You've got to see yourself, because it's about being rescued. And when you're rescued, you realize that you've got nothing left. It's a rescue story. So this is the first point about, about rescue. You've got to look, you've got to see yourself as the broken person. You've got to see the world broken, and you've got to go, man, this needs God. That's the first thing. The second thing is, a rescue story is not all bad. Rescue stories are joyous things. 
I don't know if you've ever been rescued. I happen to have more enthusiasm than common sense. So it means often I need rescued because we go on adventures as families and my enthusiasm takes me beyond my limits and I need rescued. So we've been a couple of times up mountains that I should never have been up and we needed rescue. And the thing about rescue is when you, when you, not only do you reach that point where you realize you do need rescue, but at the same time, when you see the person who brings you rescue, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's incredible. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever watched any of these. Uh, there's lots of documentaries. They're mostly on Channel 5s about organizations like paramedics or lifesavers or, uh, you know, sea rescuers that go out and rescue people. And when they get out to, to rescue the people, you see the joy on the rescued person's faces. And they gush at their rescuer. You say all sorts of, you look, you see them look, and I've been in this position, look adoringly at the person that's rescued you. You gush. And then they get home and you, um, and as the rescued person, I can say the same sort of thing. You get home and you have got a, a fresh, if, it's a, if, if, if you've been really in trouble, if you've really needed, really needed rescue, you get home and you look lovingly at those nearest and dearest to you. You look with, through a different light at the rest of the world. It becomes a joyous thing. Here's the thing. Our story, if you're a Christian, if you're a person of faith and belief, is a story of rescue. There's a sense in which we look at that word salvation and we go, sometimes we cheapen it and we say, it's just about immediate rescue. This idea of being saved, we think of it as like, you could almost have the picture of somebody drowning in the ocean and then through the, through the Christ actions, they're pulled out and then they're saved and then they go off and party. There's, an, there's a deeper idea, I think, behind this, this, this understanding of salvation. There's more of a present continuous sort of sense to the word. It's not just like we are saved, which we are, but we are saved and we are being saved. When you, when you try and put the picture together, don't just imagine uh, God reaching in and grabbing you, throwing you out, and the person partying in the boat because everything's fine. Imagine the idea of, of, of somebody reaching in and holding onto your hand and you're being pulled out and you can't let go of this person's hand. There's this idea throughout our lives you read around this, this topic of salvation that we are, yes, we are saved. God's not going to let go. He's going to pull us out. But we are, need to keep hold of his hand that whole time. And we need to keep looking up lovingly at this God who is rescuing us in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we continue to have joy as we look around at our surroundings and we look around at the people that we love and we look around at our circumstances. We can find joy in these things because we are the rescued. So that's the first thing. We learn to look outside of ourselves. And that ain't really easy. That's not an easy thing to do. I don't see that very glibly. We're very proud, aren't we? Really hard to do that. But it's what salvation... No, I'm not easily rescued, if I'm honest. I'm not an easily rescued person. I resist the need to put my hand up and say, I've not got this. But that's what salvation calls for. It, it calls for us to look at the world and go, and look at ourselves and go, I need rescued, I need help from outside of here. That's the first thing it is. It's a cry for help. It's a recognition of rescue. The second thing that it is, it's about what you believe. It's about what you believe. Jesus, as I said at the start, doesn't say this word glibly. There's a real... Because I think... I think we say, we say that we have this concept of believing. We say it quite a lot. I believe this and I believe in that or I believe in this. I think there's a real depth to this word, huge depth. What does it mean to really believe something? 
to really, really believe in something. I think as I've looked into this, our, our persons are massively shaped by our beliefs, by belief systems. I was reading a, a biologist's work, Humberto Matuana, and that's almost certainly not how you pronounce it, but he's an esteemed uh, biologist, and a guy called Tim Rettig was writing about him, and he sort of explained how our belief systems work. And there's this idea, you can imagine it like a, almost like a flowchart. At the core of our being, there is this belief. There's these, there's these core beliefs. Jump on a little bit, and there's like um, beliefs that spin off the back of that, extra beliefs. Then you've got, from them, like our values are formed. From them, attitudes are formed. And from them, our behaviors are formed. There's this whole flowchart of, of the human self, the human personality that starts from this core idea of belief. So there's, there's a pecking order. There is a system to it. And our man Tim Rettig uh, puts it like this. Beliefs are interconnected with one another. A change in one belief will affect the system as a whole. If it's a core belief, a change can potentially lead to disruption of the system as a whole. If a set of beliefs changes, other parts of the system will have to rearrange in order to rebuild the coherence of the system. Do you see what he's saying? There's, there's an order to this. If, if for example, as, is, as has been the case, and it's sometimes the case with me, and it's reported it was the case of sort of prehistoric caveman type man, if, if fear equals safety, it becomes a core value, then you are going to live, every day is going to look a certain way. You're going to see the thing that's scary or see the thing that's different. You're going to run back to your cave, run back to your home. You're gonna, that's going to govern your life. It's going to shape how you are as a person. If it's a minor thing, if it's a minor little belief, like, it's not that minor to me, but like the idea that uh, you believe a jam sandwich is a better sandwich than a ham salad sandwich, which is the case, Jam is an amazing sandwich, way better than a ham salad sandwich. That's not going to change very much. But if it's the case that f fear equals safety, then that's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of belief that's going to get itself to the start of this flowchart and shape the whole rest of your life. Shape, shape how everything looks all the way down. It's going to filter down. Fear is going to be the governor of everything. Jesus says, we are to believe in him, being the son of God. If, if that's at our core, then here's the thing. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes we approach it and we go, yeah, I've got this and I've got that, and, and the belief in Jesus is somewhere in the middle of all that. It, it kind of can't be. It's one of those things that's got to wrestle its way. It's got to find its way to the top. It's a core belief, and if it's a core belief, then it, it shapes everything that comes after it. Here's the next thing. He asks us to believe. What does he ask us to believe about him? Sometimes we can be a bit sketchy here as well, as Christian people or as religious people. We kind of believe, we believe all sorts of things. What does Jesus say we should believe? So I went to the, one of the most um, well-known passages on this. this, this um, it's John 3. It's this um, moment where this guy Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he's and, as, and as, kind of, as we're observing it, he's really wrestling with what faith is. And he's looking for what the real meaning of faith is. And Jesus says to him, whoever believes in him 
will not, and I'm going to use the old AV version here because it's the one I remember, will not perish, but will have everlasting life, will have salvation. But it's really interesting the language that Jesus uses on belief. He doesn't just say, or the, the guy who penned the words doesn't just say, believe him, believe what he said, believe what he did. It says, it's more personal, it's nearer, it asks a bigger jump from us. It says, believes, one of the older versions, on him, but the NIV says, believes in him. It's like believes in him as a person, believes who he is, believes, you know, in, and what you've got to do then is put that at the core of your beliefs. Believe that, that this guy who lived 2,000 years ago, this guy was God. Believe that this guy that lived 2,000 years ago that was a good man, that lived this life that, that against all the odds pointed towards God. This guy that lived 2,000 years ago rose again and left the whole world jaw-dropped and stunned. If, 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 that is at the, if that is at the start of your belief systems, if that's right at the front, if you believe in him, then everything changes as it filters down. Everything. Everything about your personality, everything about your value system, everything about the, your behavior starts to filter down because you can't take something like that. You can't hold a concept like that if you believe in him and have it somewhere in the middle. It doesn't sit alongside what you think about jam sandwiches. It, it has to find its way right to the very core of you, right to the top. And as it fights its way to the top, as you believe it, things change as they filter down. Everything becomes a bit more possible if you believe that. When you read some of the, uh, the standards that Jesus lived, and even the standards that we are called to as Christians, when you read through his hopes for his kingdom, <clears throat> the, some of, the, some of the, the, the behaviors that we're called to forgiveness, love, care, compassion, these sorts of things that seem often out of our reach. If you believe that at your core, or even, even ultimately, I guess, the big, the big barrier of death and illness that holds over us, you know, all of our lives, even that, if we believe in him, there's hope. Every, every moment changes, all of our behaviors changes, it filters down if we believe in him. So that's the second thing that it is. It's accepting that hope comes from outside of you and it's belief. And here's the third thing. Jesus says, you've got to repent. You've got to repent. Now, I, I think, like everybody, even as a Christian, but definitely if you just hear that, on the, if, you, if that's shouted out on the street, you regale against that straight away. That's a really it's a really difficult thing to hear that the Bible screams repent to us. It's like unpalatable, isn't it? Can God really demand repentance? Can he really say that? Is that all right? Uh, one of the things I think you learn as a parent or as a carer or as a teacher or you know, somebody in a position of responsibility is that, yeah, you can. You can. You can demand repentance. You can demand the sorry. There's kind of a range uh, 
of ways that you can go about it. You can, but it's legitimate to demand a sorry. But after that, you could maybe hope to exp I mean, you'd rather hope to explain the situation if there's if somebody's been wronged. Hope to explain the situation that, and then maybe somebody comes around to the idea of an apology. And certainly, as a parent watching on, you hope if if you're disciplining your child that your child gets to a point where they go, oh yeah, they really sort of see it for themselves and own it for themselves. The sorry comes right from the heart. But all of the things are legitimate. You know, want demanding for the sake of justice. We, we see this, don't we? For the sake of justice, it's legitimate to demand an apology, to demand the sorry. It's legitimate to to want to explain it and wait for the apology. And it's legitimate as well to sort of hope uh, that the person who's caused the offense comes around to the idea and recognizes the wrongs from the heart. I mean, that's the one that you hold out for. The Bible does all of these things. It demands it, it explains it, and it lovingly, graciously, like a good parent, waits for it. But here's the thing. If you've gotten to a point in your journey that you look around at the world and you recognize that it needs rescue, if you've gotten to that point and you look at it and you go, there's only God, some, there's only God or something outside of me can do this. And if, and if you've gotten to the next point where you've gone, I know that all of that hopes in Jesus and he's perfect and he's lived this perfect life. Then you don't need the demand hanging over you. You don't need anybody shouting at you. Because your heart's already moved. And what happens then is you look round, you look round at the earth, you look round at the world, you look round at... Um, societies that are crumbling or you know the problem with the environment because of our greed or whatever else it is or and, and your and your heart not only aches and you don't get angry particularly with other people or you might get a bit angry with other people but what what's most moved is 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 grief within you you look at it and you go man we've got some of this stuff wrong you end up looking at yourself even even looking at yourself and going man i'm I recognize, I recognize as I look at God being the answer, as I look at his kingdom coming, as I look at the way that that's all perfect, I recognize in me stuff that's broken. And you grieve it. And you repent. And you turn around. There's this awesome story. Um, one of the best salvation stories in the gospel is about this little guy called Zacchaeus. Um, and it's it's a beautiful little story, beautiful little story, and we don't read loads about what, what happens with Jesus. You know, Jesus just really rocks up, and he sees him. But before the story's finished, you know, Jesus has just been at his house for lunch. Zacchaeus has given away half of his stuff, or more than half of his stuff, four times his stuff. And Jesus says at the end of that, beautifully, today, salvation has come to this house. Salvation, just because he's turned around. This is what salvation is. It's realizing that we need rescue. It's realizing that that rescue comes from Jesus and we've got to hold on to it and believe in it. It's grieving things that are not his ways. And it's, it's the beautiful, wonderful hope that comes with faith in him through every circumstance, even death that gives us hope into eternity. It's amazing. Now, here's the thing. Here's the rub, and we're finished. It's still a really hard thing to accept, I think. I'm being honest. It's still a really hard thing to accept, but here's what I would say. 
and I'm 41 now, I don't know how many more years I get, but in my 41 years, as I look at the world, I don't see any way around it. We need hope, we need rescue, and it comes from outside of ourselves. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Christchurch Escape. Um, I'm really glad that you've been able to stay with us. Thank you for doing that. It's my total privilege to introduce Stephen from Glasgow and Matteo from Italy. Um, and they are students at Tilsley College in Motherwell in Glasgow, um, which is actually where Ash and I uh, went to college. So it's really nice to uh, have some students uh, there from there with us uh, today. Um, we're going to be chatting over the next kind of 10, 15 minutes or so just about um, our salvation stories, kind of in response to what Ash was talking about. And just I want to kind of point out that these are personal stories. They are stories that actually have shaped us and we celebrate at the moment, but actually stories that have been painful and difficult to go through at the same time. So um, please uh, have that in your mind as we as we talk about them, because Talking about them here in this environment is quite different, isn't it, to actually the life experience that, that you've gone through, I'm guessing, and kind of as in those journeys that you've been on. Um, great to have you guys. Thanks for spending the time with us. You've been here since Thursday evening. Is that right? Yes. yes? Yeah. It was good. <laughs> it's been good. Um, and you've spent some time talking to some church leaders and stuff like that. And then yesterday we were in York Minster as well, doing some stuff there. Um, Stephen, if I can come to you first. We heard Ash talking today about that idea of being rescued um, and needing rescue actually from something beyond ourselves that actually we weren't able to do it on our own. And I wonder from your life experience, can you tell us about, uh, have, you sh have you had that experience where you felt like you've needed to be rescued and you weren't able to do it? to do it on your own? Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose the way that I lived my life um, sort of led to this moment where I realised that you know, I, I, I can't live my life the way that I live it anymore. I can't do what I want when I want because of where it led me. Um, you know, I used to get into a lot of bother when I was a teenager with getting drunk and doing silly things and finding myself in messy situations um, until I got to this point where I found myself in a cell for a weekend after a, a night out I got drunk and I passed out on the train and a couple of paramedics came to help me out and wake me up and see if I was okay mm -hmm. um, and I woke up and lashed out at them um, and they couldn't calm me down. They got the police involved and I was having a go at them as well. Uh, so they, they put me in the cell for the weekend. Um, and it was there that I realised, like, I'm helpless. I can't live the life that I'm living anymore. I can't go my own way because, you know, this is where it's led me and I never, never envisioned myself being in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's where I found myself. Well, that, that's, I guess that's quite a, a, a kind of harsh re reality to be faced with, isn't it? When you just like, well, here I am. I never thought that I would spend my night, a night in, the, in a cell 
and and yeah, that's thanks for sharing sharing that with us. What about you, Matteo? I'm guessing we unfortunately we don't have time to go <laughs> in it to it all today. I'm guessing that you also had that point where you kind of knew that you felt like you needed rescued. How come you decided that rescue needed to come from Jesus? Why why Jesus? Why not self-help? Why not another religion? Why not, uh, you know, just making a better go of life, that kind of thing? Yeah, I like the, um, like just uh, like I was saying, that salvation comes from outside of ourselves. Because, because of our selfishness, I think that uh, we as human beings try to find salvation before from ourselves especially for myself uh, speaking very personally i will say that i've tried many many things to to find salvation however probably well i'm sure that uh, even my christian background um, uh, influenced the, my well my seek for salvation i I think that, yeah, I reached the point where uh, uh, even from a mental health status, I need salvation from Jesus because it's the only way that you can uh, find salvation from outside, but salvation for yourself, personal salvation. I mean, and it's something very personal. I, well, probably I'm going a bit uh, outside from the question, but... <laughs> Yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's just just this. I mean, uh, I reached the point where um, I tried many stuff to save myself, but they were all uh, self um, so useless. So uh, I knew that salvation came from Jesus because he is the only one who can could touch my heart, mm-hmm. and therefore, yeah, I, when I met Jesus personally. I understood that uh, he's the only one who can save myself from myself also. Mm-hmm. Because I think, well, probably in my case, I, I was my own, uh, you know, my own, my only source of damage. Your own worst enemy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I think that I reached the point when I, that I understood that Jesus can save myself from myself. Yeah. And I think we all have experiences of that, of feeling like we're our own worst enemy exactly. and at times. And even when we try to do good, we end up, exactly. even when we try to do better, even not even good, just even exactly. trying to do better, you're like, oh man, here I am again exactly. down the same road, you know, messing up again. And mm-hmm. yes, I think that really does point to that mm-hmm. idea of needing somebody bigger than ourselves and mm-hmm. we've been talking about Jesus uh, earlier on in our series and if you haven't seen that make sure you look back on that there's a, a, a talk entitled um, who is Jesus and the fact that he is God's son and that he was able to defeat death and you know all these things mean that he is gives us such great hope doesn't he in terms of um, uh, putting our faith and, and trust in him it, it is a bit cliche, I think. Oh, just even like a bit twee, it kind of gives me, like when you say, oh, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. Do you know, it feels a bit, and I think kind of Ash touched on that a little bit in his sermon. Stephen, how, could you explain what is it you believe in as a Christian more than 
Jesus? <laughs> or is it just one word? Uh, yeah, so I, I suppose I, I believe that um, the Bible is truth and that it's God's word. Um, That's good because we did that last week. <laughs> so good answer on that one. Yeah, and I, and I believe that what Ash was saying today about Jesus being the only way of salvation, um, that Jesus is the, the Son of God and mm -hmm. that he paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven and um, our relationship with God could be restored um, and that we can be sort of accepted into God's kingdom um, and that God is with us. Um, I believe that when you accept Jesus and you you turn to him, that God will, will be there for you. Um, there's the verse of um, that God works for the good of those who love him. Um, mm -hmm. I believe that and I've experienced that in my life as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe in eternal life, um, life after death. Um, good. And Ash talked about these being kind of like core things that shape you and shape the direction then that your life is traveling. Obviously, you guys are both at Bible college, so it's clearly shaped your life a little bit. <laughs> Matteo, do you want to maybe elaborate on that a little bit, how following Jesus has kind of shaped your life, why you're here at Tilsley now from Italy? What are you doing in the UK from Italy? Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I met Jesus, just um, like in a normal relationship, you go on to get to know the person just in front of you. So... I attended Tisley College to improve my knowledge about Jesus, about God. Um, yeah, I applied to that. And uh, yeah, it's from that moment that I uh, joined Jesus' relationship with me. And I just understood that I need, I need to know him. And I think that, yeah, the best way to do that was to uh, get a kind of gap here and... Yeah, try to know Jesus in the in a Bible college because I think it's the best way. Okay. Even if I had many lessons from uh, my childhood, uh, I knew that they were not enough. So, <laughs> Good. yeah, I was I would like to improve this relationship with God, and so this is my second year at Tisley College. Okay, so the gap year wasn't enough. You exactly. had to sign up exactly. for the second year. Yeah, because I think that the more you get to know God, and the more you fall in love with Him. So, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> how, he, how he's leading my life now is very interesting because uh, I'm here. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm You're here. In <laughs> you, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, it's kind of so um, an answer to my child uh, desire because uh, I had some aunties and uncles in England, and okay. I always, they always spoke to me about Great Britain, UK as very. Well, wonderful place to of be. Of course, of course, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this desire to visit it, and now I'm living in it like 24 <laughs> <24/7 laughs> every day, <laughs> and uh, I hopefully for a long time. I mean, for the whole year, yes, for, of course. So Good. here I am. Good. Well, it's, it is great to have you. Um, and what about you, Stephen? How has those kind of foundational core beliefs that you talked about? You know, how how has that shaped your life? Um, how has that shaped your work and what you do and you've got a family now and things like that how has that shaped life for you 
Yeah, so it's completely different. Like, I think there's a clear before and after in my life before I was living my own way and living for my own desires, doing what I wanted when I wanted and, you know, where that led me. Um, and I feel like it was only going to lead me there the way it was going. Um, but then after I'm putting God first and trying to to live for God, um, not only trying to, but I want to because of what God's done for me. I want to mm-hmm. repay God by serving him and um, I also want other people to to taste what I've tasted. My favourite verse in the Bible is taste and see that God is good. And That's a good verse. I love that because I really struggled to understand God's goodness, but God allowed me to taste his goodness and I want to share that with other people, so I want to point people towards God. Um, so I've started working for a, a Christian football charity called Ambassadors in Football who, who use football as their platform to, to share their faith with people. Um, so I've been doing that for the past three years and I love it. Um, couldn't ask for a better job using football <laughs> and Jesus and merging the two together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Yeah, Ash might consider that a dream job as well, football and Jesus uh, together. <laughs> Good. And what about in your family life? Yeah, so I met a beautiful woman at church and married her and got a beautiful baby girl as well um, who's seven months old, Ayla. Um, yeah. And are they just things that you kind of, only by the grace of God, you see that that's kind of worked out for you in life and uh, yeah, yeah, I think makes I a real yeah. contrast then, I guess, from the before picture that you told us, that you shared with us today. And yeah, yeah, well, a few years ago, I, c- I couldn't really see myself being married with a kid and, mm-hmm. um, you know, having a, a purpose to my life and meaning and hope mm-hmm. and life was dark, it was grim, mm-hmm. empty. Um, it just felt meaningless and I had nothing to look forward to. But now, you know, I've just got peace and joy and hope and meaning to my life and a good family, good church around me. And, good. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thank. I'm just so thankful that you were able to come, you'll be here today and um, on the day that we're talking about salvation uh, from uh, God's word that actually we're able to hear your salvation stories that we that we didn't know and I'm just so thankful to you being here so uh, thanks very much for sharing personal stuff with us um, and we appreciate that and pray that that will be for God's glory just as as we finish today just in one sentence maybe something that our church can pray for you as you go back to Tilsley you've got the rest of the year the academic year ahead of you uh, a prayer point for us maybe for sure the the end of the year as uh, the academic year and also about future ministries Okay. for me. So reaching the end of the year in one piece with your sanity (laughs) intact and what might God might do with you in in the future. Yeah, exactly. Good. What about for you, Stephen? Uh, I think time management, trying to manage (laughs) family life and college and ministry um, and for brain rustiness. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been studying, so my brain's a bit rusty. Um, okay. Just that I get back into the swing of things with studying. Um, and then the ministry as well, the ambassador stuff. Yeah, good. Okay. Church, I hope that you can uh, join with me in prayer for these guys um, as they go back to Tilsley. And um, I hope that 
their stories um, may have been helpful to you. Um, if you would like to talk through any of these things through, then Ash and I are available during the week. We can uh, give you a call or meet you in person if that's, if that's appropriate. But these things are so important. They are core things that shape our lives. And we really want to make sure that we don't miss the opportunity um, to talk to you about these things. Let's just quickly um, close in prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you for this time that we've been able to share with Stephen and Matteo. Thank you for their stories and their, um, their testimony of how you have been at work in their lives and the transformation in their lives um, that has occurred not because of them, but because of you. And so we just want to take a moment just to pray for them and to commend them in their studies to you. We pray that you will keep them till the end of the year uh, focused, uh, not rusty, um, enthused about studying your words and the things that come with that. We pray that as they balance being in the UK for Matteo and family life for, for Stephen, that you'll just um, protect them and give them wisdom. And we pray, Lord, that as they serve you in their lives in the future, you will establish your kingdom through them and bless the work that you do through them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you again next week. Bye now.